Hey guys, welcome to the Learn Feng Shui podcast, where you'll learn feng shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. If you like weekly tips as well as fun folklore tales, you'll enjoy learning feng shui with me. Hey guys, today I'm going to talk a little bit about date selection and some things concerning timing for feng shui. Hey guys, a quick announcement. I'm so excited to announce what I've been working on all summer. Um, I It really struck me uh, at the beginning of summer that I wanted to talk to other feng shui consultants and I just want to get to know them, have a fun, insightful conversation and really just have them share a story um, about a time that feng shui was super impactful to either them, you know, their families or their clients. And the result really has been amazing. I've talked to some of the nicest, warmest um, people, so insightful, so uh, fascinating, these conversations. And everyone is so diverse. It's what I love. Our, our practices, our, um, you know, experiences, they're all so unique. And I'm so excited to highlight uh, this, you know, just this world of feng shui that, you know, you might not be aware of. Um, and also to get to know other consultants, you know, maybe you want to follow their work, follow what they're doing. We all have a niche that's, um, you know, pretty uh, pretty particular to each one of us. And so I want you to be able as an audience to find um, the people that resonate with you. And so I'm so excited again to announce um, it'll probably be both in podcast as so audio and video format the new podcast called Winning with Feng Shui just be a series of about 10 to 12 um, interviews with different Feng Shui practitioners. So um, I invite you to listen to that. I'll probably put a little teaser up here and definitely make that announcement when it is all uh, ready to launch. So excited. Uh, So be looking for that. Hey guys, so date selection is one of those things that I've, you know, I I talk about in the podcast. I really want to dedicate a whole episode to it. Um, It's just, it's just too much. It's too much uh, to talk about. So date selection, uh, basically, whenever I do clients home for myself, personal activations, you know, very important activities like renovation, bed positioning, they all need to be done on a really good day so you can uh, be receiving a good energy. Um, usually a day that connects to you personally, you know, a, just a day that has good stars, good energy, um, and that's called date selection. And uh, again, I really tried to incorporate a whole episode about it, but it's really just too much. I mean, it's for me, when I learned it, it was like a... I think a three, six, I think it was a 12 or, you know, 15 hour, uh, of learning. And so to pack that into, you know, a 30 minute episode, it's not going to work. Um, but what I do want to do is just kind of talk about some of the days you don't want to use. So there's specific days, um, between the seasons that the chi isn't really a good, you know, it's not really good. It's not that it's not good. It's that it's very low. It's like a low or depleted chi. So let's kind of look at what those days are and talk a little bit about what happens if you uh, use those days for feng shui. To kind of explain this a little bit better, I'm going to be referencing um, Joey Yap's book on personal date selection. Um, he has really amazing books. Seriously, if you want to learn anything about feng shui, he has a book on it. Highly, highly recommend. Um, 
This probably is really the one of the easiest books to read about uh, selecting a date for yourself. It, it's, it's actually a very good book and it's actually pretty easy to understand, um, especially if you've already done some feng shui or you're a little bit familiar with some feng shui terms. Um, today I wanted to talk about eight days during the year you should not use to do feng shui. So this is a day you're not going to want to do like feng shui activations, um, which include like placing out water, you know, those type of wealth activations. Um, you're not going to want to do bed placement. You're not going to want to like dig, do renovations and stuff like that. So this is just an easy guide. It's straight out the box, eight days that you can avoid doing uh, important activities on. So I'll put up a link to this book, um, probably on the Amazon store. Uh, I'll actually probably put a link to the Joey Yap um, bookstore on his website too, because sometimes they have really good deals going on. Um, I think because of COVID, they've been limited in their shipping. Um, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to sign up for those emails and uh, get the details because I've, I've uh, hit up some really good sales on those uh, Joey Yap books. Um, so this is eight days you're not going to want to use uh, during the year. So these are called four separating days. So what happens is the day before the equinoxes is a day you cannot use for feng shui activations. So the day before spring equinox, summer solstice, autumn equinox, and winter solstice you cannot use. So if you'll notice, these are the days that the seasons uh, change. So it, you know, it switches over from summer to autumn, from autumn to um, winter, and winter to spring. And this is because the chi is like depleted. So I'm going to read here. It says, there are certain days in the Chinese solar calendar where the chi where the is still and dead. There are, they are known as four separating days. The chi is depleted on these days and the stars lack vitality and the energies are like leftovers. So using such days where the chi is depleted and relying on leftover energy means you're infusing your activity with at best very weak chi and at worst unstable chi. Using the four separating days results in important activities or endeavors lacking support or commencing on days that are not conductive to success. So again, these days are one day before the season's equinox. And these are all pretty clearly marked on the calendar. Even the Western calendars show that. Um, and you already know, like the first day of autumn's in September. So we got one coming up. First day of, um, you know, that winter uh, solstice is in, you know, like December 20th. You know, it falls on pretty much the same day every year. And this really uh, corresponds with the um, solar calendar, or, you know, the Chinese solar calendar. And so you don't even have to learn how to use the Chinese almanac to find these days. You just look at a Western calendar and you can note that, you know, these days are the solstices. So the day before you just want to avoid important activities and avoid your feng shui activations. So the four separating days falls on March 20th, June 20th, September 22nd, and December 21st. And again, this is pretty universal for these years. Um, these days should not be used for important personal activities or endeavors. There are some date selection specialists who use these days. Typically, they're used for problems like marital separation, dealing with stalkers, or dealing with people who are harassing you. <laughs> Separating days are used to commence legal action. For example, if you're seeking a restraining order, um, you know, things like that. It says these separating days aren't bad. 
but it's also not good. So it just says here, if you can choose a different date, um, you know, it's, it's even better. But uh, these types of activities that separating days are used for are not conventional activities. So they're not open to just freely use. And here it says, I generally do not advocate the use of four separating days for personal activities or endeavors. The next four days you want to avoid during the year, um, here again, reading from the book, it says in Chinese metaphysical studies, chi moves upward and down in upward and downward cycles. So accordingly at certain days of the year, the chi cycles and energy of the particular element are at their lowest and weakest point. And these days coincide with the ending or last day of each quote unquote season. So um, the four extinct days fall on February 3rd. Um, May 5th, August 8th, and November 7th. And these are days there. This one would be days that you really do have to look at that Tongshu Chinese Almanac. But these really mark like that midway point in um, the summer. So like, you know, the coming of equinox, coming of solstice, coming of spring, you know, um, they really are going to be days. It's, like, it's almost like a um a midsummer, you know, or like that first day of harvest, I believe, uh, the coming of autumn, uh, we just had. And so the coming of autumn started, you know, at the beginning of the month, I talk about the energy cycles that kind of govern the month and the coming of autumn was in August. And so it's always like that, that midway point or like that first, you know, like for, um, for us, it's like the first harvest. And this really does, uh, it doesn't really matter the season, um, so if you do live in the Southern Hemisphere, like you're in Australia and you guys are fixing to, you know, go into to summer, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That means um, that, you know, these days still correspond. So it doesn't really matter. Um, the, that's why I said, quote unquote, season earlier. Um, you're still going to take these days, whether you live in the Northern or Southern Hemisphere, um, as the you know the four separation of four extinct days so don't worry about whether it's like you know the technicalities of whether it's summer or winter um these dates pretty much remain the same so uh you're not going to change it based on your uh you know which hemisphere you live in so these four extinct days are called extinct days because on um these days the cheese very weak so it says here, for example, on the last day of winter, the energies of the water element are at their weakest and winter is the season of, of water. So now extinct means to come to an end. So accordingly, any activity that you undertake in the four extinct days, it says here, Joey Yap says himself, will be doomed from the start and a king only one way, which is down. That sounds pretty grim, right? It sounds worse than the, the four separating days. <laughs> Uh, the four extinct days are not good days to use for any activity that involves growth or advancement like marriage, important business transactions. So it says here, if you get married on a four extinct day, that you will not be blessed with the offspring if you sign a contract, um, that it'll be stagnant. And so, you know, mark these four days on your calendar and it says uh, reference them so you'll know not to use these days. And I'll, I'll try to remember to note that in my uh, monthly, you know, my monthly energy report, the one I do at the beginning of the month, I'll try to remember to address those days and warn you when they're coming. Because again, those are ones that are kind of those midway season points. Um, and to me, I feel like this is a little bit more negative connotation than the separating days where the chi is just weak. But um, this is like the, the 
almost like it's devoid of cheese. So again, just avoid these eight days. This is just your quick guide to doing feng shui with date selection is to avoid these um, eight dates throughout the year. Hey guys, for this Folklore Friday, I'm going to be reading a tale called Ho Yi and the Ten Sons. And this comes from the Joey Ya book on Chimandunja called The Stims. It must be in a little bit of a Joey Yap kick this week. I was digging through my books and thought this would be a good tale to tell. During the Shang Dynasty, people believed that there were once ten sons, with each appearing on different days of the week as a ten-day cycle. These sons were the offspring of the Di Jun, the god of eastern heaven. Each day they would travel with their mother, the goddess Shi He, to the valley of light in the east. There Shi He washed her children in the lake and put them on the branches of the enormous mulberry tree called the Fu Sang to dry. They were lifted by a passing dragon to ride across the sky to Mount Zensu in the far west. On their journey, they created sunlight. Eventually, the sons grew tired of their 10-day routine, and it was decided that all of them would rise up in rebellion at the same time. The heat on the earth became intense. As a result, the crops shriveled and died in their fields. Lakes and ponds dried up. Humans and animals took shelter or died from heat exhaustion. Time passed and the suffering continued, and the Emperor Yao decided to plead for divine intervention and asked Di Jun for assistance. Di Jun asked his son to stop, but the tin stems were enjoying themselves too much to listen. They laughed and carried on riding around the sky. Di Jun sent for Hu Yi, the god of archery, to send his, uh, teach his sons a lesson. Dijun then asked Hu Yi to frighten his children into returning to their normal routine. Hu Yi too wanted to end this crisis peacefully, but after he saw the scorched land and corpses of dead animals, he knew that desperate measures were warranted, and he began to shoot down the ten sons one by one. After Hu Yi shot down the ninth son, the Emperor Yao intervened, and he asked Hu Yi to stop killing the final son. Um, because he didn't want to leave the world in total darkness. So Hu Yi agreed and was hailed as the hero of mankind. The remaining son, now scared into submission, did his duty and behaved well, always rising and setting on time. The earth returned to normal and the perfect environment for life to flourish forevermore. According to Chinese folklore, mythology, the names of the ten suns correspond with the names of the ten heavenly stems, which are the five elements in yin and yang polarity. So it says it's possible that the story of the suns may well have been the origin of the heavenly stems that we recognize now, and that the sun remains in the sky and corresponds to the element called Jia, which is yang wood. So the heavenly stems go in this order, Jia, Yi, Bing, Ding, Wu, Ji, Gung, Sun, Rin, Kui. So that roughly translates to um, 
Yang wood, yin wood. Yang fire, yin fire. Yang earth, yin earth. Yang metal, yin metal. And yang water and yin water. One of the more interesting things um, that it also mentions here in this book is that these 10 heavenly stems um, share their names with 10 emperors um, during what is called the Shang dynasty, or I guess sometimes it's called the Yin dynasty. That's what it says on um, on Wikipedia. We know that's um, very uh, reliable, right? <laughs> Um, but it does say that a lot of the emperors and noble people back in the day, um, you, a lot of times um, they would put, you know, one of the names of the heavenly stems in with their name. So um, it gives the example here of a uh, a emperor um, called uh, Tian Yi. And so it says here, um, Tian was the Chinese character for heaven and Yi is the second of the heavenly stems. Remember John Yi, right? Yi is of the yin wood. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. It does also state that the titles were given um, after the person passed. And so I think it was like a titer, title um, of honor. And um, it does say, though, sometimes that the emperors, um, uh, you know, didn't get a name that really matched their rule. <laughs> so it could be, you know, like a nice name, but it didn't necessarily match their, um, you know, their their political leanings and, and their their attitudes and stuff. So, and it does say that this naming convention actually ended after the fall of the Shang dynasty um, and is not seen in subsequent dynasties. And I thought that was pretty interesting too. Again, this book is actually part of the system or like the collection of the Chimindun Jaw books. So Chimindun Jaw is just a system of what Joey App calls forecasting um, or divination. Um, it's one of the more difficult ones. Um, and so I, I have a lot of the books on the system because I, you know, when I first started learning, I had to go all in, right? Um, but this one, the, the ones that stand alone called the stems, the stars, um, the doors, the gods, um, those are very, very good books for some, you know, standalone reading. Um, I highly recommend the stems book because it talks a lot about the attributes of um, the elements in the yin and yang polarity of the elements. So even if you do not do qi min dun jia, these stems are still part of the system of Chinese metaphysics and understanding their attributes will actually help you understand your feng shui a little bit better. And even your, your Botsy, if you, you know, um, do, uh, you know, you know that you have an element also associated with your animal sign, you know, just understanding the characteristics of those, um, elements will actually help you quite a bit. It's actually interesting. And he does it in a really fun way in this book where he kind of compares it to game of thrones and the kingdom. So it's, it's actually really a, a fun, interesting read, which I'll include, um, a link to, of course, below. podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a review and share with your family and friends who you think may be interested, especially if you found this content useful. To learn more about feng shui and Chinese metaphysics, follow the link to the website below. <music>